Y'all warmed up for Easter next week? Calm yourself. You, gotta, you can do this. I can do this. How you doing, Venue Church? Give me a little feedback here. Hey, next week is Easter Sunday. So here's what I want to say. As your pastor, can I just give you a little word from God? Don't miss Easter Sunday at church for the tailgate party. Don't miss the Super Bowl for the tailgate party. This is where it's going to be happening here. So shift your weekend around. Don't lock mom in the kitchen on Sunday morning to cook food for you. You can wait. I said, you can wait. Don't do that to mom. This is the entire purpose of Christianity is to come together for like this Sunday and recognize that we have a risen savior. And uh, man, how's first Wednesday? It's like the first time I've missed a first Wednesday. Did Pastor Bryce not just preach a word from God for you? I thought that was so good. Um, we were celebrating first Wednesday at Substance Church with our pastors, pastors Peter and Carolyn. And, and uh, uh, Pastor Dino Rizzo was there actually. And uh, yeah, it's, it, was, it was fun for us. I, I watched uh, the first Wednesday video and I missed, I missed being here with you, but it was pretty incredible. Pastor Dino used to be like, I think the chaplain for the New Orleans Saints when they won the Super Bowl. And he did this thing that I showed team last night. You can actually probably find that or watch that. It was pretty funny because he's from like down south and he's like New Orleans. And he's, he's like, he's like, they gave me this jersey because I did chapel for them. And he's like, you don't have one of these, do you? And he just keeps going into this. He's like, do you see these stains? They're sausage. I was eating sausage. And he talks about how God turned around. No, not God didn't turn it around. But the New Orleans Saints won the first Super Bowl in forever. And it was an incredible thing. And so but I still miss being home with, with you all. And, uh, and they speak, pastors, Peter and Carolyn, our pastors speak so highly of you. And, uh, I don't know. I went there. I came back encouraged for what God, we have a year coming up venue church for the city that God is going to surprise us in amazing ways and, and what God is doing here. So, um, I feel like today, I feel like somebody is going to, um, decide that they need to get baptized. Uh, in our baptism in the beginning of May, and I feel like you're just on the tipping point, and today's sermon is going to push you over the edge in a bunch of different ways. Whoever was here for the first service knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, how many people are we baptizing? We have 29 on the list right now. 29 people are getting baptized. Come on, you turn. Hey, if you can't, man, that's, that's going to be a party. Uh, today's, um, do you guys like this, this branding? For the death, death of a world. I mean, that's what the devil is trying to do to the world. But I'll tell you, the cross is holding it together. And uh, wait till the resurrection week next week. You need to invite somebody. Uh, they will come because it's Easter. And everybody who doesn't go to church still thinks that they should go for Easter. So why wouldn't you bring salvation to somebody? And just get them here. We're so confident in the power of the Holy Ghost. That just get them in the building. And we're like, just give it time. Just give it time. The Holy Spirit working in the hearts of people. Um... So our sermon series is called Death of a Spade, a Death of a Spade. I'll, I'm all worshipped out. It's called <laughs> Call a Spade a Spade, Death of a World, Death of a Spade. Thanks, Sean. Have you ever had anybody in your life who like defined reality for you? How did you feel about them when they did? <laughs> you know. I feel like today's sermon is going to defy. Talk to a bunch of people. I talked to the prayer team after the first time. I'm like, was it okay? Like, was it like super? They're like, no, it's exactly what people were coming and getting prayed for. And, and so today, um, 
Um, you know, back when I was a kid, my dad was the definer of reality in my life. Did anybody have a dad who like was the definer of reality? Um, maybe it's your mom growing up. My dad was the definer of reality in my life. Now, back in the day when I was a kid, it's a little different than now. We got helicopter parents now. You know, like we're just like hovering over kids like, oh my goodness, don't get hurt, don't get hurt. Back then, I feel like parenting was more along the lines of like, let's let nature take the weak ones and the stupid ones. <laughs> Um, cause like the stuff that we used to do and I'm, I'm thinking, you know what, you know what my friend and I used to do? We used to take 22 rifles and shoot pennies out of fence posts from like a foot away. Because have you ever seen a, a penny that's had a 22 shell drilled into it? But then see that, that bullet goes somewhere after it hits that penny and it comes right back at you. And I remember like shooting it and hearing the bullet go whistling past our ear and being like, whoo. That was close. <clears throat> well, we chamber another round in and put another penny in the fence post. Come on, somebody. And uh, who grew up with a, like a BB gun? You had a BB gun when you were a kid. Because I grew up like, I feel like we all had BB guns when, uh, when, when I was a kid. And we used to, I remember a gopher one time got underneath our fort. And we lived in town in the, in the, the backyard. A gopher got under there. And this was before like... PETA and animal stuff. And this was back like more farming. My parents are farmers and gophers just messed up stuff. Come on, like you got, you got 10, get, you know, 10 gophers at home. We didn't back then. They just messed up fields. And, and, uh, and so I remember trying to like shoot this gopher underneath there. And I remember lining this gopher up and I missed him. And I got a, this like block of wood and it came back and that BB hit me right there. And I'm like, whoo, that, that was close. <laughs> Putting another BB in there and like, you know what I mean? Come on, somebody. Our parents was like, nature, if, you, if they're that dumb, you can take them. We'll have more kids. And uh, I remember one time, my friend uh, Steve, he, he was like, I don't feel like that BB gun would hurt me if you shot me with it. And I'm like. So he like, seriously, he bends over and he's like, here, shoot me in the rear end with your BB gun. I don't think it's going to hurt. And I shot him and oh my goodness, he was dancing around and screaming at me. And I'm like, you told me to, man. I'm just doing what, I'm just doing what friends do. I remember one time my dad came over and he's like, he's like, we need to go over to the neighbor. And my dad's name is Richard. There's a lot of Richards in this story. And, and your, my neighbor's name was Richard and he was a retired pastor. And, um, and so he, my dad's like, hey, Richard said that you shot his window with a, beep, with a BB gun and, and uh, we need to go over there. And I'm like, I did not. I know what it's like to shoot a window on purpose with a BB gun. And I did not shoot the neighbor's window with a BB gun on purpose. I, no, I remember the outrage. Has anybody ever called reality out in your life and be like, no, you're addicted. That's what addiction is. And you're like, I did not. Like that's not, come on, Vinny Church, help me preach a little bit. I, I'll go all day. I'll preach right till Easter. You got to nod and at least act like you got it so I can move on. So I remember my, my dad's like, no, man, we got to go over there and talk. And sure enough, we walk over there and in between the two panes of glass, because um, we, if you watch this and you're like from South Africa, Emma's mom or whatever, like we, you don't understand this, but we have multiple panes of glass because it's so cold and we got to keep the devil out. And so there's like multiple planes of God in between these two panes, there was a little Nick in the bottom and there was a BB sitting in there. And my dad's like, do you feel like Richard, the retired pastor put that in there? 
do you feel like he shot his own window with a BB gun? Who's the kid on the block with a BB gun? I remember the sense of outrage I had. That like, I did not shoot that window on purpose. I did shoot. I was out of my grandma's farm and my grandma had to call my dad and my grandma was a farmer and my dad was a farmer. This is my mom's mom. And she's like, Richard, this is another awkward conversation about your boys, the same boys that drove the garden tractor through the neighbor's field of corn to create a maze. And I'm like, it was not a field of corn, it was weeds. And I was just making a maze and doing that. And dad's like, it was corn and you're real dumb and don't understand farming. Like, and you did it and now, and so she's like, okay, so the same boys that, yeah. So um, did they shoot out all the windows of, uh, of their uncle Richard? Another Richard, I'm telling you. Maybe it wasn't my fault at all. Maybe it was Richard's fault. Did they shoot all the windows out of his Volvo at the farm? And I'm like, I did not. I'm like, there was a shooting car out there and I definitely shot the windows out of it, but it wasn't like anybody's car. Like it was just, a, you know, like the shooting car that had grass growing around it. And then I realized, oh, that's Uncle Richard's Volvo. And I definitely shot all the windows out of that. But this time I'm like, this is not my fault. I did not shoot, I was not trying to shoot. And my dad's like, what were you doing then? And I said, well, I was shooting a can down in, uh, on a hill and here's Richard's house and here's the can. And he's like, well, it bounced off up there and went in the, now here's the deal. Here's the deal. My dad said, he was the great definer of reality. He said this, it's broken. You did it. I'll fix it if you confess to it. It's broken. You did it. I'll fix it. I'll pay for it. But you got to walk over there and confess to it. And so I had one of those long walks. Are we still giving our kids long walks? My kids have had to go on some long walks to the... Uh, I'm sorry. It was definitely me. That's my BB gun. This was not a victimless crime. And I had to confess it to my neighbor. Now, we seem to be, um, to love right now in society, wasting enormous amounts of time talking about problems we could actually fix. Just give me a sec. Um, yeah, it's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> Today's sermon is call a spade a spade. If we, the resurrection is not going to matter if we don't define why, what the resurrection was for. Um, Mark records in the Gospels, when Jesus heard what they were talking about, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. He's like... And then, the, and then Romans 3 says, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So what he's saying is, everybody's sick, but I can only heal and fix the people who say that they are. And he's talking to church people. So can I go off for a minute on church people? I don't know what our deal is, but we somehow think that we're not sinners like everybody else. And you come to church for a while and you live in the blessing of God and you're like, actually, it wasn't that bad. I'm not that bad anymore. He's like, look, I can't heal somebody like that. I can only heal people who have realized how bad their situation is and the state of their soul is. I could only heal the person who says that they're sick. Why? Because health people who are sick and don't think that they're sick don't go to the doctor. Okay, you ready? 
Every separation in the world right now in your life, everything that is not connecting you to God and connecting you with people, every separation is a result of sin, not misunderstanding. Society, just, we just feel like, well, you don't understand. We don't understand. If we would just, look, if it was misunderstanding, then dialogue would fix it. But all the dialogue in the world, we're starting to realize like, oh my goodness, you know what dialogue is for? So that I can talk to Mike and be like, Mike, here's how I feel. You need to understand me and then do what I want you to do so that I can be happy. And Mike's like, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, that's why I'm not happy. Shots fired. Every disconnect in your life with God and people is a result of sin. And I know what you're thinking. It's my husband's sin. I'm going to warm you up to this. Listen, dialogue doesn't fix a gunshot wound. All the talking I was doing to Steve was not fixing his rear end. Not understanding how guns work does not mean that you won't shoot yourself or somebody else with it. There's this thing now where it's like, well, I didn't mean it. And I didn't look, the window is broken. Do we care that look a, a little nick in the window is the same as an entire window being broken. Cause that entire pane of glass is completely useless. And how nice you are and how politically correct you are doesn't make it any warmer inside. It doesn't fix the actual problem. Um, so there's this thing that I think that you and I need to get into this idea like, look, sin, yeah, kind of inevitable. And we all sin every day. I think that we just don't call it sin anymore. But listen, there's this thing called sin, confession, forgiveness, healing. Sin, confession, forgiveness, healing. You know why we're walking around broken still? Sin? Oh yeah, we get it. We're not doing the confessing. We're not receiving the forgiveness. The Bible says, confess your sins to God for forgiveness and confess them to each other for healing. So when we confess, we actually get forgiven. And when we confess to somebody else, we actually get healed. And a lot of us are still broken because we're missing the confession part. I'll, I'll show you why. Oh, let's define the problem. When Adam sinned, Romans 5, sin entered the world. So Adam and Eve, thank you guys, idiots. Someday I'm going to get to heaven and be like, ah, no tacos for you. <laughs> be like, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And you're like, this doesn't make sense. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. So what it's saying is when you were born, you, you were born with a window shipped to you that had a BB in it already. And you're like, that's not fair. It's real. And not fair. I wasn't aiming at it. And then it says, and then it says, and everyone sinned, right? So it's like you came, your window was broken, and then you shot a bunch of BBs into it too. So like, we're all kind of in the same boat here. Like we're all guilty. And, and, um, so it says Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ, but like the anti, you know, like the, the bad part, a type of Christ. So I'll, I'll just read it. So, um, there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift for the sin of this one man. Adam brought death to many. Even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many other through this other man, Jesus Christ. So sin enters the world through Adam. You were born into it. You did it. We did it. It's on us. And then even greater is this tidal wave of mercy and forgiveness and restoration that came through another man, Jesus Christ. And it says the result of God's gracious gift is very different than the result of one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. Don't mix up guilt with condemnation. Guilt is a gift from the Holy Spirit. When you feel guilty, it is the Holy Spirit being like, hey, you built a wall. 
there's a look at the wall. Condemnation is, is, is what the devil wants to do after you've repented. Come on, I'm talking to somebody here. Look, repent, go in the other direction. Repent, confess, get over it. But that condemnation that comes next, that's the devil. And you have to be like, I'm a son of God. I've confessed this. I'm past this. I, am, I don't need to go back there. You don't get to bring that up. It says, for Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful gift and his uh, grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph. Everybody say triumph. triumph. Over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. If you're not living in triumph in your life, I don't mean that the world is not broken. I don't mean that you don't have problems. I don't mean that your husband, is, I don't mean any of that. I just mean that you can still live in triumph in spite of because so much greater is God's grace. And if you're not, we built a wall that we just need to talk about. Listen, until we call sin, sin, and until we admit it leads to death, Jesus' sacrifice is going to seem stupid to us. And Jesus isn't stupid. This is the divide right now in our society, Canada. Jesus' claims can seem arrogant and petulant now. His holiness, his, this unattainable holy family that we're supposed to be a part of, it doesn't seem like there's this huge chasm and this huge divide anymore. You, you want to know why? Because the enemy has painted Christianity as stupid because we let him redefine sin. So there's this mountain of sin that we can't climb and the enemy just whispered like, it's not really there anymore watch if we accept it took the sacrifice of jesus and all of his holiness coming down to this dirt if we accept that we find ourselves in a relationship that we don't like with a god ready that we have no leverage over there is nothing you can leverage that makes him more god there is nothing you bring that makes him more than he already he is the all-sufficient all holy all he is all of the things before you he will be all of the things after you you cannot, there is no leverage that we have in that relationship and it makes us feel powerless. But what we don't understand is when we get to the place where we're actually powerless, we are all powerful, but it's not our power, it's his. But we're in a place where none of, we don't get any of that. We don't, we don't get to keep it. It's not us. It's not coming from us. It's not like this, like, I don't know who, who came up with this, like, society is corrupting my kids. My kids were born perfect. They're not two yet. Just give it time. My kids were born pure and holy. Your kid might have been born like nice. But sooner or later, they're going to say and do something that's, my, my goodness, I feel like people don't have real kids anymore. <laughs> Listen, when was the last time you heard somebody say, uh, I thought it was her, but that, it was totally, uh, yeah, I'm sinful and selfish. I'm trying to remember, like, in the past couple of years, how many apologies I heard from government. Hey okay, guys, we're sorry. We, um, uh, things were said and we made a bunch of rules that didn't seem to agree with each other. And we're sorry for not knowing what we were doing. No, it was just like, Hey, let's replace that with a whole other thing. And let's just keep the panic rolling on this and that and this and that. I don't care where you are in the COVID thing. Like I'm just saying like, how many apologies did we hear? 
But you know why? Because it's not fashionable anymore to like sit down in the middle of it and be like, oh my goodness, that was me. Oh my goodness, I ate 14 hamburgers at McDonald's and that was too much. Like that's on me. It's not, it's not nobody pushed me there like my wife didn't treat me right and I, I, I got hungry. Because I was hungry for love and then I went to McDonald's and I was hungry for Big Macs and it's her fault. You didn't think that was funny. Um, listen. The enemy has tried to redefine sin, and he's mostly succeeded, except for the Church of Christ is. Uh, he's saying, that's not sin anymore. Um, this grenade that we're holding with the pin pulled on, and he's like, that's not a grenade. This menu we're ordering off of now with our children, with the morality, and we're like, he's like, oh, these things aren't sin anymore. If you eat these things, it won't poison you. Like, you're going to, it's not a grenade, it's a hamburger. Go ahead and eat it. It... it we're just going to put mustard on it and you're going to eat it. And then when it, then we're like, cause we're not, he's redefining sin. And the more that we redefine, like that's not sin. We've evolved. That's not, that's not a, it's not sin anymore. It's just not sin anymore. You know, every, every few months at, at church, we get an email. Because I think people really deep down, you know, we just, we just want to be loved and accepted. And we're just worried about it. We're worried about coming to church. And we get an email that's like, hey, here are my life decisions right now. Will I be loved and accepted here? And we're always like, yes. You get to belong before you believe anything. Jesus loves you. We love you. But then every now and again, we want, have one that takes on a different tone. That's more like, here are my life decisions. Now tell me that I, they're right. Let me just take this to an extreme. If, if Eric here is a, a huge drug dealer, <laughs> he's not. But if he was, and he writes me a, a letter at the church, and he's like, hey, I uh, deal drugs to youth, and I'd like to work at the youth group. I'd be like, no. And he'd be like, now tell me that God wants me to do it. And I'd be like, uh. And he's looking at me and he's like, you know, the reason that I'm not happy is people like you. Because all the enemy does is whisper in your ear about the, the wall that you built around yourself with sin. And he whispers in your ear and he's like, it's your wife's wall. And if she'd tear it down, you could come back together. But that wall is Eric's wall. Eric, don't deal drugs to you. No, say no to Eric. Now, nobody here would be like, that makes sense. Put him in the youth. I'd be like, you can come to church, but you ain't talking to youth. Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness. I want all the privileges everybody else has. I'm like, privileges are for not drug dealers. No, Eric. Not with our kids. Nobody would argue with that. Why? Because you have a line drawn in your soul that says that that's not right. That that's harmful behavior to him and to everybody. There's a line that's like, no, that's not right. And there's all these lines that say, well, where's the, who's drawing the line in society? Here's the deal. We're all drawing our own line and saying like, hey, this is going to make me happy. Is it? Can I say this? If you're happy out there, like you got it all together out there, why would you go to church? I would. If you can find it out there and find salvation and connection and deliverance from your sins, you can find resurrection, you can find heaven out there. Why would you come here and get yelled at? I wouldn't. I'd be like, I'm great out here. I don't need to come and get yelled at. I don't need to sing songs and 
have my ears blasted and I don't need that. I don't need to confess my sins. It's humiliating. If there's no problem, what are you here for? But it's different than like, I want to come in here and I want to keep all this stuff here. It's, listen, if you're happy, you don't need anybody to tell you that you're happy. You don't need me to tell you like, hey, everything's good. If it's good, you don't, you're not even asking. But if, come on. We let the devil redefine sin. Redefine what sin is. And, well, no, that's not, that's not really sin. Well, then the, the cross of Christ seems wasteful and stupid. And Jesus is dumb. Or even arrogant and petulant. And even like, that he would have the nerve to think that he needs to die for our sins. Because our sins aren't really, they're not really sin anymore. Look it. Did you shoot yourself with that gun? Then it's a problem. And you can say like, it's not a problem. It's not really a gun. But it hurts. So there's something wrong. Misunderstanding. Dialogue won't fix a gunshot. It won't fix it. Jesus is like, I can fix it. But, but not till you come to the hospital. And not till you're like, I've been shot. You can come in like, with like three sweaters on, but you still are shot, right? And we got to get to this place where we're like, yeah, no, it's under all this, these layers of stories that I keep telling myself. And I'm like, yeah, it's soaking into my life here and it's not great, you know. Um, there's only one way for an unholy child to be adopted into a holy family. And by holy family, I don't mean church people are perfect. And if you're looking for a perfect church, man, like there's, don't come here. Because if you did, you'd be the only unholy one. I'm glad that not everybody in church is perfect. I'm glad. Because I, I still get to come. So. Who would preach if I wasn't allowed to be here? People are like, yeah, well, church is full of problem people. I'm like, yeah, well, people like you. So you should come. But you'd fit in. All right. Um, Hebrews 9. As just as each person is destined to die once. And after that comes judgment. Like that's when the grenade goes off. So also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again. Listen, not to deal with our sins. God is not like angrily hoping to judge people. You don't want to judge your kids. It's just like, no, there's consequences. Listen. But to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. He's like, I created salvation. For you. I created the Garden of Eden for you. I'm redeeming all of this thing. That's what I want to bring you. You don't have to keep going in that way. It says, for everyone has sinned. In Romans 3, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. Like, it's free. there's nothing you can do for it. However, there's something that you have to do to get yourself to the place there. He said, he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented um, Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. There's an old scripture that says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no covering of sin. And when you die and pass into the next life, any unholiness in you that you were already born into keeps you out of a holy family. Look, what makes you a part of a family? You want to be part of God's family? I hear people say this like, well, I talk to God. And I'm like, I talked to Layden out in the lobby, but that doesn't make him part of my family. I talk to Diana. I talk to, I talk to lots of people, but that doesn't make us family. Heaven is for God's family. It's for what makes us... Let me ask this. Can God be... We're talking about the consequence of sin. Right now in society, we're like, there's no sin anymore, so there shouldn't be consequence for sin. Okay, can, 
can God be holy if he is unjust? And what is justice? Justice to you. To, to Scott, justice means like, don't take my stuff. I want justice. But then Scott takes my stuff and he's like, I don't want justice anymore. I just want your stuff. And he's doing this all the time, literally all the time. I'm taking my stuff out of Scott's house. I'm like, why is this here? This came out of my office. And he's like, I don't want justice. Can God be unholy if there's not... Listen, the world was set up around choice and choice has blessings and consequences. You can sit there and complain about that, but did you want to be a robot? Because maybe that's the only solution to that. Like, I am following my programming. You want to have a... You want to... Moms... I know your kids drive you crazy, but like choices at, at the bottom of it all. And it's like, did you want to birth a robot? Mother, I love you. <laughs> Birthing a baby's gotta be hard enough. Why am I going to here? Like, I feel like this is like, I don't know, like a, birthing a robot doesn't sound fun either. Okay. <laughs> Choice, consequence, sin, love. Is it love if it is in my programming? It might be in your destiny. It might be how God made you, but sin corrupted. It's a disease, it's a sickness. Watch this, watch this. The penalty was paid in Jesus. Justice was satisfied. And when God looks at you, if you come into the faith, God looks at you and he doesn't see you in your sin. He sees Jesus in his holiness. You don't want that? Who that? I just want to go into this. You don't want that. I want that. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience. I'm going to read you the cross right now. In obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. God looked at Jesus and he's like, I need to adopt all of these other kids. And you're the only one who can pay it. Would you go down and die a criminal's death? death on a cross so that they can come in and Jesus said yes I'll pay therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father yeah. alright I'm, I'm, I'm teeing you up we got to define sin because the reason that you're separated and not connected is because of sin. It's nothing else. And when we define sin, see, there's no resurrection without a grave. And I feel like some of us, we come into the faith, but we're still hanging on to stuff. And we're like, yeah, I'm not going to call that sin. Yeah, I've got a story. And yeah, I've got lots of sweaters on and it's not really that bad. And yeah, yeah. Well, here's the deal. I think some of you haven't experienced resurrection because you haven't called sin, sin and death, death and separation and walls. You, we just haven't come out and said it yet. And I think today is the day that somebody's going to confess and get into this habit of just like, yeah, sin, but confession and forgiveness and healing and just start working this loop and stop being afraid of the loop and just being like forgiveness and healing and restoration. And then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders along with the people he announced his verdict. You brought this man, this Jesus to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I've examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. Very confusing. Like, why did you bring this innocent man to me? So I'll have him flogged, like just get you off my back and I'll release him. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd of our forefathers 
With one voice, they shouted, kill him, and released Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. Where does this anger at Jesus come from? He has literally never done anything that will hurt you because he cannot because he is holy and pure. He has never lied to you. He has never stolen anything. He has never wanted anything from you, only something for you. Why did our forefathers, it's easy to look and be like, they were crazy back then. You don't think it was you crying out? Why do we get so angry when dad is like, no, the window is broken and you broke it. Why do we get so angry? The pure and holy and spotless, because we just, why do we want Barabbas instead of Jesus? I was thinking, it's just eating my mind this week. Why do we want Barabbas? Dude who has obviously got some problems because we can make a deal with him. We can't make a deal with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is holy. He's like, confess all of your sin. You don't get to like hold stuff back. Like confess, you want the healing? Well, confess the sin. Like come in and get fixed, you know? You know, Barabbas is like, man, you can blackmail Barabbas. You probably find a church where it's like, yeah, that's not sin. You probably, you probably make up your own God where it's like, that's not sin, but you're still shot. Pilate argued with him, but because he wanted to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify, crucify. He said, what crime have they committed? I found no reason. They shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified and their voices prevailed. So he sentenced him to die as they, as their sin demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder, but he turned Jesus over to them to do as they wished. Watch this, two, other, two others, both criminals were both criminals. Now he's talking about us. This is where we come into this story, I think. We were in the crowd, but now we're being led down to be crucified for our sins. To pay the penalty for our sin, because holiness doesn't get through the gate of unholiness doesn't get through the gate. Darkness doesn't get into heaven. And we're being led down now. You can be one of two criminals here, I think. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to a cross and the criminals were also crucified. They, uh, one on his right and one on his left, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothing, closed by throwing dice. What he didn't say was they're not guilty for not knowing the extent of what's going on. What he didn't say was there's no penalty to pay for them because he is the penalty for sin. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals, is this going to be you? Hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. Prove it. You don't say prove it. Crucifixion was death by asphyxiation. Maybe you don't know this. They would nail your hands to a cross and your feet. They would put a nail through it. And to even speak these words, the way that you're hanging, you can't breathe. Everything is <clears throat> crushing. You would hang there for hours. Every breath, you'd have to push yourself up on those feet. Pull yourself up. And there's so much anger in some of us. We, we're just trying to get a breath. You know how much breath you've got to get to say something mean like that? And some of us, there's just something inside. We just so hate that God would hold us to a holy standard. We just hate that, like, and he, he starts ridiculing Jesus. We, all we can do is, like, breathe, but this thing, other thing comes out of us, and we're just like, 
I don't want that to be, I don't want that to be me. Like we're, we're being suffocated with our sin and we still curse God. But the other criminal protesters, don't you even, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our sins. Like I'm there, I know. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said to Jesus, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your paradise. And God's going to say to somebody today, because you're going to break through and confess today. Jesus says, I, sure, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. The past doesn't matter. Wiped out. I am the sacrifice. By this time, it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land. Come on up, worship. Until three o'clock, darkness in the middle of the day. The light from the sun was gone. The light was going out in the world. And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Okay, this curtain between God and man in the temple was six inches thick. And it was torn, the scriptures say, from top to bottom. The separation between you can't tear that curtain with your tiny little hands. Six inch thick curtain was torn from top to bottom. The separation, the veil between man and God gone. Torn with the hands of Almighty. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. Now, I'm teeing you up for resurrection. I'm going to show you what happened at the tomb. Somebody's experiencing a death in, in your life right now. You're experiencing a, a separation. You're experiencing something that you don't love. But I'm telling you, there's a resurrection coming next week for you. But it starts by going down. It starts by going down that, that place to the cross where we define sin. And when we open up ourselves and we... I was thinking about this. He hangs on a cross, Jesus, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. But, but then it says here, it says that he breathed his last. He said, Father, I commit myself into your, and he breathed his last. And that word, that breathing, that's been in my mind all week. Like, why does the scripture, which never records anything that we don't need, say, breathed his last. He breathed his last. What about the breath? And I realized, I realized, this is what the Holy Spirit is showing me. The same Jesus that breathed life into Adam, that caused life to come to the human race, that Adam and Eve gave up and forfeited the minute they ate that fruit, that breath of God left our lungs and it left your lungs and we were born suffocated in sin and with this noose around our neck. And I realized that when he finally gave up his life, he said, Father, forgive them, and he breathed his last. That breath comes into the world around you right now. There's a bubble around you right now that, that is a positive pressure of the breath of God. And I'm like, why does the breath of God not come in to some? Why does it come into some but not others? And, and I realize this is, this is that until you open your mouth, it can't come in. Until you open your mouth and confess your sins. Come on to your feet, Venue Church, until you open your mouth and confess that my sins are death and my sins are the problem. 
Jesus, would you be Lord? I believe in you. I believe that that's what it took to set me free, your death. And I believe in the resurrection power of God. That when we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus. And believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. That we shall be saved. It is not about you. It is about the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. It is about what he did and not about, about what we did. Come on, somebody open your mouth and confess that. Confess that. God, confess I'm nothing without you. I don't belong here. I don't belong in this family. But, Father, would you adopt me in?